Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Welcome back, everybody, to No More Leadership BS. And we are glad to have the cast of characters under the big top today. Mr. Geyer, introduce yourself, Brad. This Is it a big top or are we in a pup tent? I don't know. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm, I'm going to talk about that kind of thing on the show. We glad, not glad, you're, show. glad you're here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. This episode's going to be a great one. Ah, that was deep. Ah, Mr. Mr. McLaughlin, how are you, buddy? Living the dream. Living the dream. What's really sad, this, this podcast doesn't pay much because two of the five of us are broadcasting out of our cars. So we need to upgrade the situation on the people. <laughs> Dr. Sam, how are you, buddy? I'm awesome. I'm so happy to be in the car first broadcasting and making this podcast everything it can be with my contribution. So I apologize up front. That was moving. I can climb down. <laughs> and last but never least, the beautiful, the amazing, the astonishingly funny Miss Myra Hall. How are you, Myra? Hello. I am just ducky. I am just ducky this morning, Jeff, and you left me for last again. I never leave you for last because we're going to talk sports uh, trivia later, and I know <laughs> that you are just going to tear it up with the sports trivia. How, how, how can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, she is a wizard when it comes to sports trivia. <laughs> <laughs> and he is being very sarcastic. Not me. <laughs> Never, never. Well, gang, today I want to talk about something about how leaders have a vision and managers just establish the goals. How many times have we heard that you manage your checkbook and you lead people? So let me take you back. Let me take you back 20 some years. We're going back. We're going back to a young, younger Jeff. He had some hair. He had, <laughs> and it was dark hair <laughs> and he was about. 50 pounds lighter. That's way back. And he's working for the is it a podcast or therapy. I'm curious where this is going. <laughs> I like kept hearing was way back. And so this is talk about Jeff working for the Boy Scouts back in the day. And Jeff was given his first leadership role. And Jeff was over to oversee fundraising. They call it friends of scouting, or as we used to call it, fund our salaries. And because it was FOS. And I'm in a room with 13 other scout leaders, professionals, scouters, and we're in a room and we're talking about our districts and how much money are they raising for their district. And I would create things like football fields and everybody was a different football team and it would move it down the field that it'd be from 10 to hundred yards and where are they at? And I would share it with their friends, a scouting chairman. And I would always try and motivate them by look at, look at the visual. We're trying to, we're trying to motivate you to raise more money. And I'm in a room with 13 people trying to keep them to, to their goal, trying to keep them to the goal. And I did that for a long time. And I would sit in a room with 13 people and they would look at me and 
some people weren't doing as good and some people were doing great. And the people that weren't doing good, I would have one-on-one conversations with and I would coach them and I would mentor them and I would work with them. And, and some people got it and some people didn't. And that's just kind of the way it was in the Boy Scout world. Then about 2007, I've wanted to tr- change the way I wanted to do leadership. And I, sorry, my phone's going crazy. I, I, I enlisted in Gonzaga University's organizational leadership graduate program and learned that there was a different way. There was the servant way, doing servant leadership. And I totally bought into that. Leading people who don't know they're being led. And I learned words like the synergistic effort. And I learned things like, hey, let's bring everybody together as a team because everybody can contribute to the team. So we'll go back, we'll go forward about 17 years from the time that Jeff had hair and had darker hair and Jeff had less. Now we're in about 2017 and Jeff's got a lot less hair and a lot grayer hair, as I say, platinum blonde. And we wanted to put on an event and I brought together seven people and I've talked about this before. And what I basically did is I put a piece of paper and piece of paper in the middle of the table. And I said, I want to impart a vision on you guys. I don't want to talk about the outcome. I would love to make as much money off this event as we can, but how can we do this? And I put the paper in the table and I said, this is a piece of paper. What can we do with it? And over the course of six months, these seven people came together and put on an event that had 1500 people and made about $27,000. To me, that was amazing. And that, that totally convinced me that leadership should be a, a, the servant leadership method for me is the most gratifying out of everything. So what I did is and back in the Boy Scouts, I would just pound goals. I would create baseball diamonds and football fields and equate goals to it and try to make it visually fun. But some people are motivated by that and some people are not. Then 17 years later, I decided to let's bring people together in part of vision, get everyone to buy in on that vision and participate in that vision and amazing things happened. So for me, I'm a believer that a leader is the one that has to create the vision that people get excited about and want to participate in and be a part of. That a manager is just only concerned with the goals because nine times out of 10, the manager's incentives are based upon the goals of the organization. So they're only worried about the goal. I think the leader is more holistic and worried about the person, the group, and the satisfaction the group is getting out of that organization. So I want to talk about the myth of leaders lead people, managers manage checkbooks. Does anybody else have an experience like that where there's just kind of the, I've tried being a manager and it didn't work, but when I tried to bring people together and amazing things happen, or have you not converted to my way of thinking yet? Who would like to go first? (laughs) What you were just saying there, I just came, it brought something to mind and I'm not sure how it fits in, but right now I'm taking a course in emotional um, intelligence and emotional intelligence is usually a sign of having a higher emotional intelligence is compassion for, for other people. Okay. Okay. But, but what you said there is that the leaders, I mean, that's a, that's a real strong um, characteristic of leaders is their compassion for others. And at least that's what I heard. Yeah. Okay. But according to this course I'm taking in the data, the highest emotional intelligence is in the middle management and it goes downhill from there. And I, I think about 
Jeff Geyer, and he was in the medical field. And he, not that he, his emotional intelligence is down, but he was in the medical field. So say, where, and, where are you going with this, Myra? <laughs> and and doctors are known to have, and in general, I'm, I'm not painting with a broad brush, but they're known to have high egos and hard to, hard to, hard to be leaders for. What? And um, even, even Dr. Sam doctors. No, no, I'm teasing. There was a clear (laughs) on the data. You, madam. (laughs) That's that's the first thing. That's the first thing in more than than uh, seventy thousand downloads that this podcast has ever said, Conroy. That's absolute BS. Dr. Sam is one of the finest individuals I have ever yes, met. Yes, he is. Yeah, that's yes, the whole yeah, okay. But I love, but I love giving it back to you guys when I get the opportunity. Thank you. Or Mike. when I step, or when I step right in the middle of it. But my my point is, is there was it, from the data showed a very clear decline and a quick one from middle management down to CEO. Is that is that a symptom of reality and what needs to change and why they need? people like us or is is do you think that the data is wrong well why does it say there's a decline or why do you believe there's a decline well my takeaway from it was because they focused more on the vision of the company and less on the people and they allowed the managers to do that right right and But but that's not what i heard you say no, because where I speak from is the servant leader mindset where it is we. It is, yes, I'm, I'm the CEO and I get that and the title and all the other garbage that goes with that. But we are, I'm nothing without everybody. So we need to take care. I, I was just talking with, with some people and I was talking uh, about something. And then I was talking to another guy and I said, yeah, I just talked to Nikki down, you know, about the, about this, this, this. And he goes, oh, well, I don't know much about her. And I said, oh, yeah, she's new to the area. Her son is 16 years old, plays golf. And she's got, he's got a 14-year-old daughter that's in driver's ed. And, you know, they're up here from Bend. And, I said, and he looked at me, he goes, you got all that out of that? And I go, yeah, because I'm building relationships and getting to know people and, and trying to figure out why people are the way they are. So I don't, I, well, I think a CEO could have the vision in mind. He's also got to take care of his people. Or the people underneath him. In my and, and I'm not disagreeing with you there. All, all I'm saying is what the data shows, that there's a lack of it at the, at the highest level. Sure. And the servant leader, leader mentality is is new. And it's, for, yeah, you know, within the last 20 years. So that's my experience with it. Guy, or what about you, buddy? Yeah, that's a little tough one, I guess. I, I was, I, I, my brain is just going so, so many different places. I, I think I'll start with, I, in the last two big leadership jobs, I had multi-million dollars on top line revenue and, you know, a hundred plus employees and very dynamic and, and things like that. And one of the first things I did, and in, in, in both cases, the, the organizations were struggling and the manifestation of the struggle was in their financial statements, right? They the net income was in the negative. And what the, one of the very first things I did was change the name of their management teams that, that, that they had before. They called them management teams. And I changed their names to leadership teams. And we reworked job descriptions and expectation lists and things like that because 
we needed, in my opinion, and in in the both cases, the the companies um, went from in one case they were about forty five days away from not having enough cash to make payroll, and in 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 three years and had a whole bunch of debt. And I, I won't bore you with all the details, but in less than three years, um, we got that whole ship righted and and debt paid off and all that. And it was because we changed their mindset from being managers, which they were trying to maintain things. And you've heard me say before, the the way the world's put together, you're either growing or dying. You can't maintain, there's no status quo. Yes. Change their mind, change their mindset from managers um, to leaders and then gave them education and and tools and training to become leaders. And, you know, that, so, so I agree with you. There, there's a significant difference between a manager and a leader. And as a leader of an organization, I want more leaders in the organization. So that's what we did. Well, and I'm also, you know, there's that mindset, which I believe is that anybody who can influence change is a leader. And you don't need the title. You don't need anything like that. So it could be everybody and anybody. Sam, what about you? What about you, Sam? About me? Well, it all began when I was a young boy and the, the issues of uh, management and leadership, I've always tipped toward leadership and it hasn't always been fruitful. And that's based in part on the folks that I'm leading and what they need in the moment. So I could say, you know, big lofty things, like we have a goal to reach, how should we get there? And some folks take that and really run and do a good job. But other people are saying, just tell us what you want. And even if it goes against my grain to answer that question, because I firmly believe it's not about what I want, it's about what gets us to our goal. They don't, they're not ready for that yet. They just want to hear, give me a job. I'll go forth. I'll do this thing, but I don't know what to do. And so sometimes it's okay to toggle between managing and leading. This position is to be the lead. And I do believe that more people benefit to a higher degree from leadership than management. And people have major titles like like uh, Guy was just describing. It doesn't mean you can't be a leader. It is an org chart. You just have a position title. That doesn't dictate what you can or can't do to help affect your team. And Agreed. Agreed. So let's go back to 20 years when I was doing the, the football fields and the baseball diamonds and things like that. Uh, what I found out was I'm showing them their goals and how are they tracking on their goals, but I didn't motivate them. They, they, it wasn't the why. Why do we need to do this? And that's what I learned on the servant leadership. So 17 years later, I sat down and said, this is what we want to do. This is why I'd like to do it. This is where the, the, the proceeds are going to go. What do you guys think? When they bought into that, magic happens. So, so There's some folks like you described, if you use that, uh, the thermometer, the football field, whatever, sure. whatever visual you've got, some people are going to say, oh, there is no way I'm coming in last. And that fires them up. Sure. But other people are saying, I'm in last. I don't give a flying rat's fender because this is dumb. I don't want my my success or my failure put in front of everybody in the world. I want to do what's right. If this is how it's going to be shown, fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't need to put it up for here because that's not what's valued. And and being able to adjust like you've described for the folks who kind of need that raw motivation, the folks need the, um, the why motivation, a true leader can do all those things yep, and not be perfect at all, but definitely help people where they are and get them motivated to their goals. And, and for me, that's where the servant leader comes in is where you're getting everybody's input. Everyone's got strength. Everyone's got weaknesses. So you want people that are going to, that have the weaknesses, the people with the strengths can fill that in. Mm-hmm. 
Mr. McLaughlin, I know you had some some technical difficulties, so we're going to go back to the beginning. We started off with, what's your favorite frozen vegetable? Go ahead. <laughs> frozen, got to be a bag of peas. Got to be a bag of peas. I know that one right off the hat. That's a, that's an easy one. Yeah. That one right. Okay. So what about you, Mr. McLaughlin? Well, you know, it's funny because I've done a lot of work in the leadership world and education, and I go in knowing my vision of where I want to go with that group that particular group, that particular day. And I always start off with why we're doing those things. Why are we going to have this crazy day? Why are we going to do these activities? Why are we going to have conversations with people we may not have talked with before? And I start with the why, because when you know enough about somebody's story, it makes it easier to be friendly. It makes it easier to be kind. And it creates empathy and compassion for another human being that you share space with on a daily basis. And so... Starting with that why, even though I know 80% of the kids, 80% of the people are, are in their mind, they don't even hear that. They're just like, oh, wait, I got to talk to somebody. Oh, crap. And so they get the why and it's subconsciously planted. And I put that message out there probably 20 times throughout a day so that they understand. Then they go by the end, they get to the end and they go, oh, my gosh, I get it now. And it just takes time. But you have to have that vision and then you also have to manage the, the process. And so that's where your managers, like you said, are, are really vitally important in helping you to reach that vision, to attain that goal. But your team has to know why. If they don't know the why, like you said, some people are not going to be bought in. They're not going to care about the, the thermometer with the money on it. If they don't know the why, if they go, oh my gosh, the reason we're raising money is so we can actually get these kids in a phenomenal experience so that they can have a more successful life and they can be a contributing part of society, then you go, well, that's a pretty big why. Okay, cool. Let's, let's make these kids' lives better. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at the disc test, the high Ds are the ones that are going to go like, all right, we have a goal. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's burn, let's, let's burn territory. Let's go make this happen. High I's want to have fun with it, no matter what. They want to make yeah. parties out of it. They want to do football fields and baseball fields like I did. You know, And then you got your S's that just want to make sure that we're all going to be happy about this and we're all going to be moving along and things are going to be happening and everybody's okay. And then you got the high C's who want to know the rules of the game. They want to know, okay, what do I have to do uh, to make this happen? Can I do this? Can I do that? Everyone's different. Everyone's motivation is different. So Myra gave me the five-minute sign. So, so to close up, servant leadership mentality is relatively new. I'm going to say within the last 20, 25 years with the whole Stephen Covey, Zig Ziglar, John Maxwell movement, which we appreciate and don't get endorsed by. Um, but for me personally, it has grown me as a leader and working with other people exponentially. And I could think, probably think the same thing with you guys as well. Your leadership styles are leaning more towards the leadership style than the management style. I would really like to hear from our audience, especially from our one listener in Eastern Oregon, what kind of leadership style do you have now? And what kind of leadership style would you like to have? And what help do you need to get to that point. And I want you to email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. And I promise you, I guarantee you, I double dog promise that one of the five of us will respond to your email. So I appreciate your guys' input. I love you guys. And let's keep on singing. And until next week, have a great week. Letter Buck. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, 
please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.